the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor Chris Starr. The true meaning of Christmas. And so in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, here's what it says. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, who of the house of David, and the virgin's name was, anybody want to guess? Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. You can be seated. I love Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? I just love Christmas. I always look forward to Christmas coming. I love Christmas music. Somebody tell Pastor Amy, I love Christmas lights. I hope she goes to a restaurant like that today. That would be awesome. It's my most favorite time of the year, I suppose, that and fall. Um, I love Christmas parties. My wife says, you would go to a Christmas party every night. I said, I would. I just love Christmas parties. I, I love spending time with my family. Uh, we, we've done that recently. We're like doing the 12 days of Christmas because a few weeks ago, I think last week, we went up to Pigeon Forge to be with the tallies. And then we were with uh, my mom and dad and Scott and Sonia and the Tabs. We went out Tuesday night. Then my immediate family got together Friday night. And then my mom had surgery, so she, they, they weren't able to have Christmas with us. So we're going to their house Christmas Day. I'll, fi- I'll figure out something Christmas night. I have already recorded Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I will sit down, yes, at 52 years of age and watch that because I love Rudolph. I love Christmas. Um, I, I, you know, we, I had fun singing those songs up here, by the way. That was a blast. I mean, even if it's in church, that was a blast. I had fun. And I love watching Bing Crosby and, 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 and White Christmas. I'm just, I, I love that. I love it all. And, you know, for some of you, that's a rarity in the South. But as you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania and Michigan, and I saw plenty of White Christmases. That was cool. It was fun to wake up on Christmas morning and there'd be a foot of snow on the ground. So all of that, I'd love all of it about Christmas. Well, this Tuesday, we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, an event that happened over 2,000 years ago. And and arguably, our society uh, may not grasp the full sense of Christmas due to secularization 
of Christmas. So just for the next few minutes, I want us to explore the true meaning of Christmas. What's so significant about Jesus' advent, Jesus coming to this earth? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, this is what's cool, is that Jesus, the Son of God, intersected our time and space. Now, that's something to think about. Here's what Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says. Listen to this. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, Mary, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Now, you have to think, this wasn't the first time that God stepped into our world, right? God was there at creation with Adam and Eve. The Bible says it later on that God walked with Enoch. Then the Bible says that God talked to Moses face to face. So this time, however, was different. This was different. I read a story one time. Uh, back, they said back in World War II, um, dads would go off to war. They were drafted. They'd go off to the, the war to fight either in Germany or, or Europe, the European theater or the Asian theater. And so moms would try to find ways to keep the memory alive for their children while their dads were absent. And this one particular mother, uh, and Billy Graham actually told this story, took her son every day into the bedroom to show him the picture, a large portrait of his father who was away. They would do this every day. Well, one day, the little boy said, Mom, wouldn't it be great if Dad could just step out of the frame? A child's mind. Well, let me just tell you today, that's exactly what happened that first Christmas. At Bethlehem, God stepped out of the frame. And he clothed himself with flesh and came to earth as one of us. John 1.14, I used this last Sunday. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I talked about that last Sunday, grace and truth. Isaiah 7.14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And I, I preached from Isaiah last Sunday. So those of you who are here, you, you may remember this. Isaiah prophesied seven centuries before Jesus showed up, okay? 700 years. Now here's what's so cool. He predicted his virgin birth. That's amazing that he would see that God would come born to a virgin and it happened. And that right there shows the validity of the word of God, that and many other prophecies. But there's something else here. There's a deeper significance. He, he said, the virgins are conceived, bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And Pastor Billy and the praise team in that first song, we were singing those words. I know those songs were a little bit newer, but they were worship songs. But one of them we actually sang about Emmanuel. Does anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. God just doesn't want to have relationship at us. God wants to have a relationship with us. How many of you know God is a relational God? God is, God, it's not like God's way up in heaven. And I talked about this last Sunday. If you think God is way up in heaven, staying distant from us, you've got it all wrong. That's why he sent Jesus so that he could be relational with us. I have this verse in the Bible that's one of my favorite verses. It's an Old Testament verse, but it's quoted in the New Testament. It goes like this. It's God speaking. But I shall be their God and they shall be my people. And I will dwell in them, says the Lord, and I will walk among them. And I shall be a father to them, and they shall be my sons and my daughters. 
Now, you can't get any more relational than that. God wants to be with you and in you and treat you like a, a father would treat you. And he wants to be your God that's with you every moment of every day. And so that's the truth of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. God longs to dwell with you, walk with you, talk with you, be on your contact list in your phone, if you will. Be on your favorites list. He wants to be your BFF. And so any other picture of God is wrong. Jesus came to us so that God could be with us. Here's a second significance. He interrupted people's normal routine. Now, just stay with me here on this one. If you read the Christmas story, those of you who own your own business, Joseph had his own business. He's an entrepreneur. He's running his carpentry business, minding his own business, and suddenly he had to change his plans and provide a home for the Son of God. Here's Mary for all the teenagers that are here today. Mary is a teenager doing what teenagers do, the normal things that they do. But then this angel comes to her, revolutionizes her life. She's going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And so she has to grow up faster than expected to give birth to the Savior of the world. Shepherds are out in the fields minding their business, tending to the sheep. But when the angel shows up, they have to leave the sheep in the field and go to Bethlehem because they've got to see the extraordinary child lying in a manger. And then the wise men are in like Iraq. They're in this distant country, but they see this star and they have to stop their study of astronomy and travel to an alien country, a foreign land, following a star so that they can see the king face to face. Here's what we need to understand. Life is often defined as a busy schedule combined with sensory, sensory and information overload that leaves us little or no time to enjoy the things that create awe and wonder. And guess what? We Christians are no different. We're guilty of running the rat race. We might as well admit it. We're going 90 to nothing, and we're cheating ourselves out of unbelievable, spiritual, glorious, and godly experiences. So what, what do we need to get here today, sitting in this sanctuary, listening to the guy in the lumberjack shirt? Here's what we need to get. Life is not about getting an education, getting married, having a family, buying a home, climbing the corporate ladder, driving a new car, enjoying retirement. Life is not about keeping a schedule, transporting children from to, to the piano, site, piano practice or dance recitals or soccer practice or football practice or baseball practice or keeping up with the Joneses down the street. Christmas reminds us that life, don't write me off because I'm a preacher. I'm telling you truth right now. Life is about Jesus. That's it. Because when you die, there's no more practices in football and baseball and soccer and no Joneses to keep up with and there's no corporate ladder to climb and there's no institution to go get your education at. All that's gone. It's just you and God for eternity. Now you can do all those things. Go after it with everything you've got, but make sure that your life is centered around Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas reminds us. It's kind of like a Christmas tree. Jesus is the tree, and all these other things I just talked about are tinsel. Tinsel by itself is nothing. You can put tinsel out in your house, and it would look like a mess. But if you never decorated a tree, you could put a green tree in your house by itself, and it would work. Why? Because the tinsel doesn't make the tree. 
The tree makes the tinsel. The tree gives the tinsel its purpose. Otherwise, it's useless. Listen, everything in life that you do and, and achieve and pursue means nothing. It's tinsel. Unless Jesus Christ is the tree and you're rooted in him. The shepherds looked up and saw angels. The wise men looked up and saw a star. Their looking up then led them to bow low before the Christ child. And Christmas reminds us to look up and gaze in holy wonder at a God who is like no other, who speaks and creates everything out of nothing, who is the picture of absolute perfection. And after we have looked up at him and seen him as he is, then we fall down on our knees and say, God, you are everything and I worship you. Here's the third reason and significance of Christmas. Jesus invited people to come to him and find their savior. Now, this is the big one. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him, Mary, and I quote, will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. An angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds and declared, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. How many of you know anybody can be saved? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, I want you to go back 2,000 years and whatever image you have to conjure up, I want you to imagine Mary and Joseph nestled close to the newborn Jesus. Maybe it's in a stable, maybe it's in a cave and there is a manger there and there might be animals around. I want you to see the shepherds gathered around gazing at the Son of God and all at once, as you're seeing this nativity scene, all at once, watch this now, I'm gonna give you something different. The shepherds are there, they're, they're looking, they know this is someone special. They've been told he's a savior, he's a baby, but he's a savior. And all at once, the Holy Spirit of God deals with every one of these rough, tough shepherds and speaks to them and says this, you are a sinner and you are away from God. And yet the answer to your sin problem is lying right before you. He is your answer. This seemingly helpless infant is the bridge between God and man. He is here to save you from your sins. Just believe. I think it happened. When a child is born, parents will look at their child and they'll wonder, what will my child be one day? What's my child's destiny? A doctor, an attorney, a lawyer, a CEO, a minister, an entrepreneur, a plumber? Now, I don't think a parent really looks and asks whether or not their child will be a plumber, unless you're a plumber. But who knows? But you're just wondering, what will your child be? Mary and Joseph didn't have to guess that night. They knew their son would grow up to be sin sacrifice and to redeem sinful mankind from the slavery of sin. We speak of celebrating Christmas. I think Christmas is not so much a celebration as it is an invitation to come and see Jesus and what he can do for you. So, you know, we got the kids up here and you gotta, you gotta think about the fact if you're gonna bring children in here for an hour or more, you better do something. 
And so we said, let's let the kids have fun. And then Leah and I sang some nostalgic songs. Yeah, we had fun. And, you know, I'll tell you another one too. I like Ralphie and the Christmas story. I'm just one of those. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up up north and I kind of identify with kind of those cities where he's in because I lived in Detroit. I don't know. You know, the Red Rider BB gun. I had a Red Rider BB gun. I mean, just maybe it's all that. I don't know. But let's just nail it today. Let's call it like it is. Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman may be enjoyable parts of secularized Christmas, but they are not, and I repeat, not the central figures of Christmas. Jesus is. And the story of Ralphie and the Red Rider BB gun may be entertaining, but the story of Jesus coming to this earth changes me. The other may entertain me, but this story changes me and transforms me and moves me from a sinner to the saint. And Christmas is not about buying and exchanging gifts, even though that's now an integral part of what we do in our culture It's not about that. It really, really is about receiving the gift of salvation and eternal life through the gift of God to us, Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes and just sit there where you can meditate a little bit and open yourself to where God could speak to you. Believe it or not, he's been speaking to you through me. That's my calling. But right now, he may want to speak to you personally. And he said, really? Yeah. And you'll know because you'll, you'll just know. You know when God's dealing with you. You say, well, how's that going to work? Well, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you are a sinner in sin, here's what's happening is um, you're, you, you've been listening and you're starting to feel really conscious about who you are and how you're not a child of God, and how you're separated from God. You're very conscious of that right now, even to the point that you're feeling guilty or ashamed or fearful, and you may even be trembling. When God deals with people, there are all kinds of responses, but you know God's dealing with you. Maybe you thought you were just coming today because you're in town and family said, look, we go to church on Sunday, and you said, okay, I'll go. But now you're sitting in that chair in the final moments of this service and something's happening to you and you're going, what in the world is going on in me? Just like I imagined that the Holy Spirit may have spoken to the shepherds as they stood around the manger. It's really, really possible, very possible that right now that same Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you. Saying, do you see the babe? Do you see Jesus? He's your answer but you're in desperate need of a savior. And if you'll admit that and just believe and ask me to forgive you, ask God to forgive you, I'll do it and I'll change your life. And if you'll turn from your life of sin, I'll help you to be right with me and be a saint of God, a child of God. So right now, I wanna ask you to just consider praying. And I want you to pray right where you are. And you can pray really quietly, but I want you to at least pray. It's If it's a whisper, Something like this. Oh God, I'm a sinner. But I believe that you came to this earth, the, the Christmas story, to die for me. The, 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 the Easter story and rise from the dead. I believe it all. I, I believe that you're the only Savior. You're the only one. There aren't any other answers. Please forgive me. I turn from my sins and I'm going to live for you. I accept you as my Savior right now today. 
This is a turning point in my life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Something like that. Just pray and call out to the Lord in faith. The Bible says that you are saved by God's grace and through your faith. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.